Well, let's see. We'll do it this way. We'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. That work with y'all okay? First Corinthians chapter one. Verse 27 says, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world. To confound the wise and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised. Hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring or things yeah, which are not to bring to not things that are that no flesh shall glory in his presence. This next verse says, But of him are ye, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. That according to as is written, he that hath glorified, let him glory in the Lord. Well, we understand verse 30 is in our dispensation. This is not something that will happen. This is something that has already happened, hasn't it? Are, are, are you in him? Are you in Christ? Who has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And so, I know there's a lot of scriptures and we're going to... Um, well, I'll tell you, if you, will, if you will, go to uh, Ephesians. We were there Sunday, but go back to Ephesians chapter 1, if you will. There's... Um, Scriptures that, that we know well, and they belong to us. Nothing wrong with those. And James says, if anyone lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who give it to all men liberally. Um, and certainly we can, and we do that. There'd be nothing wrong with that. But there might be even a higher rank, order, way to do it, however you want to say it. And that is to know that the wisdom of God is within you. I mean, you could ask from, we can't say, Lord, we don't have wisdom. Will you give me wisdom? You might not know what to do at the moment in the present situation. You might not be able to just say, well, this is what I need to do. But, but the ability, the availability is available to us at any time to know what to do about any situation. Well, there's times that you've had to make decisions that you Something happened spur of the moment, and uh, you had to make a decision. I mean, you, you had to pull the trigger. They're, they're waiting your answer to know what to do. I, I'm, you may have been, I know I have, and just you know, in, in the ministry this many years, been with people called to the emergency rooms, called to hospitals, and you just kind of get thrown into a situation. The doctor says, this is what it is, or this is what we think it is. Uh, time is of the essence. We don't have time for tests. We think this is what it is, but if we don't do it right now, if we're right, uh, your loving may not be here. But we'll need your signature to do the surgery. We'll need your signature to administer these drugs. Uh, what say ye? you? You can't say, well, let me go meditate for a couple of days and get back with you. We don't, we don't have time. Uh, this one doctor said, we, if it's what we think it is, we have less than two hours. We don't have time to run any tests. We think this is what it is. What do you want to do, Mom? <clears throat> that's, that's a wake-up moment. And, and, and I was there for that, and it was part of that. And it was exactly what they thought it was. And, uh, and they, they said, we'll, we'll minister this. And they said, but we'll, we want to be honest with you. Um, if it's what we think it is, 
Um, it's kind of relatively new. And so far, there's only been 35 cases of this. This was you know, about years ago. So there's only been 35 cases of this that we know of in the state of Alabama. Uh, even ministering these drugs, half of them still died within the first two hours. And when you swallow it, it feels like it goes down into your feet. You know, when you, first, when you initially first hear those words. But what comes after those words? And um, the parents was involved in the situation as they would have to be. And with the physicians and the staff and the family who started pouring in and piling in, had to make choices and decisions. But I was able to get out for a while and go down to the chapel and pray. And I prayed until I got a, hurt, until I got a word from God. It didn't take that long. I, I, what they call the old Pentecostal terms that they prayed through. I prayed through. And uh, within, within 15, 20 minutes, I had, I, I had the word on that situation, you know, how it was going to happen. I didn't know the details. I didn't know the sequence, uh, you know, the sequence of events, how it was going to take place. But I knew the end to the thing. And, uh, and, and of course, it was going to you know, win in favor, going to have the victory on it. So when I went through the elevator and got back up and then got into the, you know, the, that part of the hospital where this person was, uh, I came through and then by the time I left, when I left there, there was just uh, two people. And uh, when I got back, there was like, you know, 15, 20 people that was there when they found out what was going on, the severity of it. So they were piling in. And uh, so I asked them, I said, what, what, what are you all doing? They said, we're waiting on the doctor to come out and tell us what's, you know, what's, what's going on, what's, what's going to happen. And I said, oh, I've already, I've already talked. I, mean, I, I already know what's going to happen. They said, you saw the doctor? And I said, oh, no, 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 not him. Not, not see him. I mean, I was in another world down here by myself, you understand. And I was trying to come back into, uh, it's like I was in heaven. And I was trying to get back into, Bur I was trying to get back into, you know, to, to Birmingham. Uh, I, I was in Alabama and it's like, and heaven was a lot better. Even, you know, you understand what I'm saying? I, I, I was just praying and I was in the presence of God enjoying it. And then I was kind of wanting to stay there, but I had to go back up here and take care of some responsibilities. And I said, uh, I've already got the answer on that. This is the way it's going to be. And uh, so I told the, the father what was going, you know, was going on. And he wouldn't, I, w I would say he was of the most spiritual nature. Uh, I think he was a Christian, but I don't think he was of the most spiritual nature. And he didn't know what to do with the answer, but, but he, was glad, he was glad for their soul. And I, wasn't, I mean, I wasn't the one praying. I don't mean to make it sound like that. I'm just saying I, I heard from God how it was going to come out. And... Uh, when we have that, then we have, we have wisdom. You know, the, uh, in, in the gifts of spirit, the nine gifts of spirit, you know, you know w wisdom would be uh, of those categorized in, in the gift of revelation. Um, and so by rank and order, if you want to study them for that purpose, the, the, the gifts of the word of wisdom would be the highest because it, it, it tells you the plan and the purpose of God concerning the future. You know, where the uh, word of knowledge would tell you about the present or maybe even the past. And then, the, and then um, so we, uh, there was a process that was a natural process that still was worked out medically. Um, and then before we left the hospital, um, he was there for a few days. And then, uh, matter of fact, while we, was, we were there, um, I don't know if it was that night that we were there or the next night. We was back at the hospital and, you know, kind of staying there. And uh, 
another kid that came in with the same situation. And I was in the waiting room and uh, I couldn't help but overhear them talking to the doctor. And they said, well, it's you know, meningitis and it's you know, viral. And they didn't know much about it at the time. There'd only been 35 cases in Alabama. And like I said, half of them died. Even with the strongest drugs, they could, they could give them. And another one came in, and then and I was still in the waiting room. And about an hour later, they came back to the doctor. And I knew that look. I've seen it look too many times in hospitals. That doctor was head down to the parents and said, we're sorry we did everything we could do. It was just a child. It was like an 11, 12-year-old child. But God. But God. And so we're going to talk about uh, wisdom and, and uh, revelation and glory. We're going to throw it all in there. But, but Paul talked about in verse uh, 16 when he said, I cease not to give thanks for you because this was a prayer, as you know, that Paul prayed over the church at Ephesus. And it still belongs to the church today. It's, it's, it's New Covenant. It's New Testament. If it belonged to the church at Ephesus, it belongs to the church here. It belongs to us individually and corporately as the church. But he said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm not going to read all of it, but some of it. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. So we talked about this uh, Sunday. There were three parts that Paul prayed that, that the church there at Ephesus, that, that they would have revelation of. Revelation is more than information. A lot of times people run in their life just on information. And some people, I think we said this Sunday, some people are trying to live off secondhand information. Well, the Lord told me, then you get a second. Sometimes it gets down to the thirds and get diluted. It gets diluted. But how do we know that we don't have to, we don't have to live by a word fr from a prophet or we don't have to live by, you know, someone goes and uh, sister prophecies and brother prophecies and thank God for prophecies. But some people, they go from meeting for meeting, going from prophecy to prophecy so they know how, what to do and how to live their life. That's not God's will. Thank God for the pure gift of prophecy, but God doesn't want you to have to go find someone so that you know how to do and what to do and when to do. How many know the, the Holy Spirit speaks to you? He lives in you. So it, it's almost, almost kind of funny to think about the one who, uh, the only way they could tell you, if it, if it was a true prophecy, the only way they could tell you uh, was, was by the, the gift of, of the Holy Spirit in them. And, and then you're asking the one with the Holy Spirit in them, who's in you, what's the answer? You know, it's like, you know, it's like I could read to you all your life or we could teach you how to read which one you want to do. And uh, so it's better that we could, you know, we could read for ourselves and hear for ourselves. And then everything else could just confirm uh, when we get a word like that. I mean, don't take off with some words because, I mean, I, I know you wouldn't do all this, but I've, you know, I, I've seen a few things through the years. So don't just take off to a foreign country because. Sister, you know, said, you know, the Lord said you're to go to China and, you know, be there Thursday and sell your house and everything that you have. Then you're over in Hong Kong and, you know, you don't even like rice, uh, you know, and can't speak two words, you know, because Sister so-and-so said that. No, you need something more substantial than that, don't you? So Paul said we have a, we have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the, in the knowledge of him, not about him, but in, but in him. See, a lot of times we have we, a lot of our sometimes teaching and preaching 
or what we've studied is about him. And that's good. It's good to have knowledge, good to have information. But we want to go beyond that. We want to have revelation. When you got revelation, you get breakthrough. If you, if you think about it, most of the breakthroughs you got in your life came in some form of revelation that came to you. It could be the simplest thing in the world. Sometimes I've, I've read a scripture I've read hundreds of times, thousands of times, seems like. Then all of a sudden it was read or somebody was reading. All of a sudden I got a revelation of it. And it's like, I mean, it, 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 it was just right there the whole time. But I, I, hadn't saw, I, hadn't, I never saw it. I never saw it at all. I mean, I, I, I grew up going to church all my life. And I, I don't know. I mean, I can't, you know, um, I don't know that I wouldn't, I wouldn't say the pastor never ministered, you know, in the church I grew up into. I'm, I'm talking about from there to all the way through high school. But 1990, when I worked in, walked into a church, and it was my first experience to be in a, what we call a word church. And they said, open Mark 11, 20, you know, you know Mark chapter 11, and read, you know, those verses 20. One, twenty-two, twenty-three. I never heard that in my life. I never heard no one say you can have what you say. I was like, there ain't no way that's in the Bible. <laughs> it's like, well, I found out, you know, for the next two years, being there, that there was a whole lot of things in the Bible that I never had saw. And maybe the pastor had been teaching some of that along the but I, I didn't remember any of that. Seemed like I remember some of it. And uh, so we don't want to live just by information. We won't have revelation. So, so of, of what, and these are the things that he's already done, right? You know, he doesn't want you to have revelation, just what God will do, could do, might do. But Paul's praying that we would have revelation of what Jesus Christ has already done in the finished work of Christ. Amen. That already belongs to you. So that you can, so that you can by, you know, faith, lay hold of the grace that was supplied in Jesus Christ and access what belongs to you. Access. Lay hold to. It's been paid for. Now just, just access it. Just access it. It doesn't mean it won't come without a fight. Even though it's paid for, it's not like it's just going to you know, be you know, handed over to you. It's going to be, you know, it's going to have a beautiful wrapping in a bow and the devil's going to say, I know I can't keep it. And he's, and he's not going to find the pretty scrap of paper and just give it to you. He's still going to fight you over it to see if you know what you think you know. You know, some people aren't, they aren't, they aren't up for a fight. You read the parable of the soul, and some of, them, some of them quit real easy. You know, some people quit real easy. Real easy. You know, you read it in Mark's account. It says, you know, they, they hear it. You know, some of them hear the word. They get, they, they get excited. Like, man, that's, wow, that's exciting. But, the, you know, but the scripture out there, it says, but, the, but Satan comes immediately to steal the word. It didn't say he comes, you know, in, you know next month. Uh, I don't even know if he waits till you get to your car, to be honest with you. I think he's planning, you know, the whole time while you're there and uh, on the way to the car. <clears throat> and so, or maybe you'll get to the car and you get in a fight with your husband or your wife, you know, on the way there. Fight on the way to church, you know, and then you, you get out of the car, you get in, both have smiles. How you do? Oh, we're blessed, blessed going, blessed going out. And I'm like, you know, I've got to let you know when we get to the house how this thing works. Well, I know y'all never done that, but you might know someone who has, you know, like a brother-in-law, somebody like that. So this is what he's already done. And then uh, uh, we read 1 Corinthians 1.30 where it said that um, it is because of him that you're in Christ Jesus who became for us. He became wisdom that God, who is our righteousness, who is our holiness, and who is our redemption. 
So Jesus has already been made wisdom unto you. So where is wisdom? Where is wisdom? Well, wisdom's in the Word. Wisdom's in God. Wisdom's in Christ. Wisdom's in Holy Spirit. Wisdom's in the Trinity. Because but you're in them. Wisdom's in you. Then we have to draw it out. All right? You have to align yourself with the Word and draw it out. You, that, that's why you renew your mind. To think like He thinks so that you have what He says you have. And so we, we draw it out by revelation. Um, and so... Uh, I had like three or four titles, and so I was asked, uh, you know, about the title. So um, we, we called it wisdom answer. Wisdom answers all matters. But earlier today, I put a different title down here, and, I, and it was called a revival of supernatural wisdom. So you, you can pick either one you like, because I believe that we are in that time of of, of the awakening that it's already begun. Don't you? Yeah. And so I think there'll be a, a, a releasing is what we'll do. Uh, those of you who's ready, prepared, there's going to be a releasing of the wisdom of God within you. For those who are, you know, uh, during awakening, it, it comes in stages. It comes in increments. There's people at different places. There's someone who's in, started, uh, in, uh, you know, in, in kindergarten. There's someone who's in K3, but there's someone who's in their second, third year of college. That's always has been, though. That always will be that way. And uh, so there's 156,000 people leave this planet today, and more than that, I don't know the number, I forgot, but more than more come in than go out. But at least two football stadiums leave the world every day. One point, two people every 1.8 second leave here. So that's, that's, that's a lot, isn't it? Well, there's people coming in at all different times, they're at different places. Uh, spiritually, and in their thinking, and in their knowledge, and in their understanding. And so we, in this time that we're living in, in this dispensation that we're living in, I believe that, that the, those that, who are going to be used uh, as mightily a whole lot is not so much God releasing something from heaven that hasn't happened. I'm not saying God can't do that. I'm just saying, it, my opinion, interject that, is that there will be a, a, a raising of our thinking, of our understanding, an awakening, and a revelation of who we are in Him, and then there'll be a releasing of those things, of Christ in you, the hope of glory. When you get a, when you get a really a, a revelation of who you already are, past tense already in Christ, and then you release it, then we're not just waiting for something to, you know, I mean, does it just drop out of heaven? Will it come? Does it have, will it have to be at church? Will it be, be during the preaching? Will it be during the worship service? Uh, I mean, you know, when, when's he going to release it? Do we have to have long prayer meetings? Do we have to fast and pray for days, weeks, and hours for God to release wisdom and revelation? Well, he, he's already released so much wisdom and revelation now. It take, take people lifetimes just to begin to absorb a portion of what's been released. But it's available to us now. Anyway, let's, let's move on past that. So there's a releasing of the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being uh, flooded with light. We read that scripture. And, these, and so the wisdom and the revelation and the knowledge, these, we could call these keys. We could call all three of those keys. Wisdom, revelation, and knowledge are keys that open the door uh, to the greater things in God. And those are things that you have now. You have... According to him, you have a spirit of wisdom and revelation and in the knowledge of him. All these things act or represent as keys that open up the door to the greater things of God that's available to us right now. So when we use those keys that's given us, then we, then we expect to, to receive something that's 
you might say, on the other side of the door. But we need to bring it into the realm of the spirit where we, that where we live in. Then Ephesians 1.18, once again, says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you might know what is the hope of his calling. So we see here the supernatural wisdom unlocks uh, the heavenly supplies. Supernatural wisdom does. It will unlock heavenly supplies. Because he says, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saint? You think God knows how to profit? The Bible says he does. The Bible says, God says that, that the wisdom of God will teach a man how to profit. <clears throat> you know, it, it, it's, better, it's better to profit than just make a living. I mean, making a, quote, living is, 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 is necessary. It's beneficial. It's helpful. But blessed to overflowing is better, isn't it? I'm talking about when you get past your house. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, uh, when you can buy some, somebody else some tires for the car. And I don't mean down there at the retread place. I'm talking about, you know, to, to buy someone else or, or to, to, to stop a vehicle from going back or, or someone losing their home or someone who just needs groceries or, you know, or who knows. I was like a friend of mine was telling me about, I, was, I know I told the story, but... Um, Kim Clout was, was telling us about a pastor he knows very well that, that uh, had bought a church and then was doing fine. But a few years later, ran into a, some difficult times and was having a hard time with the mortgage. You know, was paying the payments on the mortgage, much less upkeep of the building. And he was praying. And uh, so he was, uh, he was telling Kim about the story that a, that a man called and asked, uh, he, could he see him? And he says, well, I won't. I, I'm out of town. And he said, I really won't be available till Sunday. And he says, well, uh, I may come to church there. And he says, oh, well, that'd be fine. He said, we, we'd love to have you. He says, well, um, I'd like to meet you after church if I can. And that's all he told him. So the man came and uh, he said, the man looked, you know, like a, a businessman. He said, that must be him because he knew everybody else. And uh, so he, <laughs> he met him after church and he says, uh, um, I want to know if we could have breakfast in the morning. Uh, I, I believe I'm supposed to meet with you, and the Lord's telling me to do something concerning this church financially. And the pastor said, "Well, sure." Well, uh, so they picked a time and a place, and um, he uh, he said, "Well, the Lord told me to pay off the mortgage of your church." So it was till next morning. And Kim told me, I think Kim told me, he said, "Well, <laughs> well, let's see here, here. Here's where the pastor was." And I'm not throwing rocks at him, I'm just saying. He said, but sir, the problem is the, the debt on this church. He, he didn't say make a payment, he said pay the debt off. He said, he said the, the, um, that would take $800,000. And the guy, and he says, so, he says, well, that's, that's all I needed was the information. <clears throat> he said, um, uh, we can have it done in the morning or, or, or another morning, whatever's good for you to meet with, with me and my attorney. He said to pay it off or to, or to pay on it. He says, no, he didn't, sir, he didn't tell me to pay, pay on the bill, he told me to pay it off. So, I mean, you know, he didn't know the guy. And of course, nothing like this ever happened to him. And uh, he said, he, he thought, you know, is, it, is this for real? Because, I mean, I'm giving this guy all this information, you know, financially about my churches, and I don't know who he is, and he, he could be some prank, whatever. And I'm, and I'm just, you know, 
revealing all this personal information. But it was surreal, and it's paid off. And uh, he said, well, we, we'd love for you to stick around. He said, well, the Lord didn't tell me that. He just told me to come pay it off. Well, that's one member you could, you know, you could let go, I guess, if you, you know, and just don't make you mad. <laughs> so so he, he paid the church off. Isn't that something? Well, that'll, that'll change your whole life. To be $800,000 in debt that don't know a penny the, next, the very next day. Sometimes we think about, some people think like, well, the pastor's so spiritual, he just hears from God all the time. <laughs> well, maybe or maybe not. How about the guy who heard to go to that particular church who had to have a certain sum of money to even obey the instructions and then be willing to do it? So there's people who might have it, but they're not willing. And there's people who might be willing, and, but, but they don't have enough uh, insight to hear from God where to go. Because, you know, just like you, this is, this is the address of the church. And I think that's what Kim told me. He said he gave him, not the pastor's name, but he gave him the, uh, he gave him the address of the church. And then when he drove, he found it. He said, yeah, that's it right there. Now come back here Sunday. Well, that's, that, that's supernatural. It's not a big day for God. I mean, I mean, that's not hard for God. But, I mean, that doesn't happen every day. But that's what's available to us. You say, well, that wouldn't happen one in a million. Well, why don't you and I just be one of those one in a million? Huh? Now, now I said that one in a million, but I'd like to be on the other side of the guy who walks in the church and does that. Because I have never done it on that, on, that, on that level, but I've done, you know, I've done the other side of it in, in other ways, you know, whether it was paying this off or making payments or, you know, giving away vehicles and that's just fun. That's just a whole lot of fun to be used away, you know, to, to, to be blessed so much that you can, you know, you can get involved in, into other people's lives and make a huge difference. So this is, this is what we have available to us right now. So we have those keys of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge. And uh, so supernatural wisdom unlocks heavenly supplies because that, once again, Ephesians 1.18 says, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That means there's no lack in heaven. Well, we know there's no lack in heaven. And, that, and so for eternity, uh, you know, you and I will have uh, a perfect spirit, spiritual body forever. Forever, forever, forever. That's a lot to look forward to, isn't it? No sickness, no pain, and no aging. So this is what happens for eternity. So when you look at the thing in the Ephesians prayer, once again, you, if you want to categorize it, it's talking about the wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of him. And it talked about the hope to which you're called. It talked about the, the inheritance, uh, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and then the exceeding greatness of his power. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but in Matthew 6.10, Jesus... Uh, told his disciples they wanted him to instruct them how to pray. And we went, we're not going to read that. And, and um, probably a lot of you could even quote it. But part of that prayer would go like this. He's, Jesus told them, he says, pray that the, that the will of God will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You remember that part of it? So we're told to expect heavenly things to be experienced, at least in a, in a measure, if not the fullness, but in, but in a measure while we occupy ourselves on this earth. That as it is in heaven, 
as heaven goes, earth should go. Well, that's a big jump for some people and for a lot of people. Uh, some people would be shocked to know that Jesus expected that. Prayed to the Father that as it is in heaven, so it is in the earth. So we have a spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge of him. And then we're told in that prayer, when we, uh, in the very first, he says, I cease now to give thanks for you, making mention of my prayers that the God, of our, the, the Father of glory, the Father of all glory. Well, there are several statements in the scripture, especially in the epistles, where it talks about, you know, the Holy Spirit being the spirit of glory, uh, uh, there being the father of all glory. You, you begin the glorious church. There's a lot of people who's, who's waiting for us to become glorious so Jesus can come. You know, that's, that's being taught again now that, that this will be, you know, the year that, you know, the church will be glorious. And um, we were talking to someone yesterday about that, some other pastors and the, and there was talking about, well, you know, some of the prophecies coming out that this is the year 2023 that the, the church will step in. This is the year the church will become glorious. And I thought, well, what, what would we do to do that? What, what would we do to become glorious if we're not, if we're saved, we're not already glorious? Sound like it would require some type of behavior modification or some type of works, doesn't it? Well, so some would say, well, he can't come until the church is without spot or wrinkle. Well, I'll give you two schools of thought on that right now. Just, this is just two of them, and I didn't have time to think about it. One of them, you're already righteous to God, so perhaps you already are, right, without spot or wrinkle. I didn't say, he didn't say that you wasn't without, you know, without faults, but he said you're faultless. He didn't say you're blameless, but you're without blame. How do you even know he's talking about before he comes? How do you know we, how, how, how do you know he's not talking about when we're all in heaven? When he presents us to the Father. See, no one ever thought about that. He didn't say before I rapture the church, it has to be without spot or wrinkle. But how I many that we are the glorious church now? Without spot or wrinkle. Because what 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 could we do to become glorious or without spot or wrinkle? That that would requires effort on our part that God would accept. If, if he won't accept your work for salvation, we think he'll accept some type of work for us to be glorious? Some of these things, if we just think them out a little bit, you find, well, that can't be right. That can't be right. So, uh, so we still have, uh, you know, a lot of works mentality that we need to get out of our thinking sometimes. This is the way I wrote this down today. It says, when the same glory that is in heaven, the same glory of Jesus had while on the earth. And, you know, he prayed in John 17, Jesus did before he's crucified. Jesus prayed that we would, we all not might, not maybe, not perhaps sometimes experience the glory that he said the Father and our great Holy Spirit all share together as the Godhead. So the same glory that's in heaven, the same glory that Jesus had while he was on the earth, the same glory that, that he prayed in John 17, that we would become one with him in his glory, where he prayed, Father, the glory that you sent me out in, he says, I now send them. He says, you sent me out in glory, I send them out in glory. Same glory. Not a different glory, same glory. Why? Because we're one with him, which means you're united with him, which means you're in union with him, which means he's equipped you to enjoy his glorious presence. So we, we, we're today to live in, the, in his presence, fellowship with Jesus, 
uh, as, the father, as Jesus did with the Father, who is the man who was anointed by the Holy Spirit as our example. Um, so when the same glory when heaven, that's in heaven, he says, he says, how do we pray? Our Father which is in heaven. But then he goes to the place where he says that, it will, that my will will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. That, that's, a, that's a huge statement. Just, just think about how we approach life and thinking and our situations and the things that we, that we handle, that we deal with and helping others with. What is the will of God in heaven? Well, is there any sick people in heaven? Well, I don't think you'd ever find one. Is there any broke people in heaven? I don't think you would find one. Can you find any in the earth? Oh, yeah, they're all over. They're all over the place. So if you need practice, just open your eyes and go to work. So we know the will of God concerning these things that the Father sent Jesus out in the glory. We know that Jesus prayed the same glory that Jesus had. Jesus said, I, I pray the same glory that was with me is with them. And so that's available to us right now. And we know that um, uh, like even concerning provision. So when the same glory that's in heaven shows up, then supernatural provision shows up. Like for the pastor who had his $800,000 mortgage paid off. That's glorious. And to be real glorious, if you owed $800,000 and it happened to you personally, <laughs> it'd be more than an amen. It'd be a shout, wouldn't it? If it was, someone said, could you use this $800,000 to pay some bills off? Uh, uh, yes, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, heaven intersected there. Hmm. The pastor's in a situation. He can't fix the situation. He's believing God. God speaks to a man by the Holy Spirit, gives him an address, don't know the pastor's name, just tells him where to go and says, I want you to pay off the mortgage. I asked Kim, I said, well, did, I said, oh, you didn't say this, but did the man tell you if he knew how much the mortgage was? He said, no, he, he said he didn't know how much it would be. He said he had no idea. But, you know, just figure it out. God knew what the mortgage was. He knew what the man was capable of. He knew what his, will, his willingness would be. And so he sent him there. So until the pastor, that's why he wanted to you know, get with him because one, this is what I was, I was called to do or this is what I was told to do. And two, I need the amount so I can get it in the works. So he was a businessman of some means. Well, the same Lord that sent him out, you see, we, 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 as it is in heaven, so it is in the earth. So where, so where the glory is released, provision flows out into the earth so that there's no lack here like for this pastor as it is in heaven. In Matthew uh, 6, verse 19 and 20, it says this, Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust doth uh, destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy nor where thieves do break in and steal. For where your treasure is, anyone can finish that? For where your treasure is what? Yeah, there's, he said, uh, <clears throat> that's where you'll find their heart. Because we live and move and have our being in him. And that same glory that was uh, in heaven was functioning through Jesus uh, while on earth. So Jesus is now in heaven, isn't he? And we're seated together with him. The same, I, I'm, I'm trying to show you if I might be doing a very poor job of it, but here's the Father in heaven with glory. He sends Jesus out in glory. 
Jesus comes to the Father, and now here we are to take Jesus' place. So the Father released the glory into Jesus. Jesus says, he, he completes his work. He goes to the Father. Here we are. He says, now the same glory I sent you out with, boom. Let's go down again, boom. Let's go down again, boom. We have people going to heaven all the time, boom. We have, you know, all the time people are, are leaving. Boom, boom, boom. And it's still, and the kingdom of God is still functioning. The kingdom of God is still operational, it's still going. So what would it look like when the glory is in operation? Well, you ask a question like that and people are like, well, I don't know. I guess people would just be slain in the spirit, laying on the floor. Well, that, yeah, that, 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 that happens. But you know, we're not gonna get much done if we're just gonna lay on the floor forever. <laughs> you know, eventually we're gonna have to get up and do something, right? I mean, he's like, he's like, you know, if, if your grass is like two inches tall, you say, well, my husband's just been slain, you know, slain the spirit, you know, all the summer, he can't get up and cut the grass. I mean, that, that's worthless. Someone needs to, you know, get some carnality into him <laughs> for, for a day and let him get up and, and bushwhack the grass. So there's, there's what, what would it look like? Well, we always have to go back to what Jesus said, not what we think, but what Jesus said. What did he say? As it is in heaven, that is the model for how I want it to be on the earth. Why? Because that's the way it was in the Garden of Eden. And when we come down here, when we're here on the earth for a thousand years in the millennium, you'll, you'll see a return to those things. And, and there'll, be, there'll be situations on the earth. I mean, not, not everything's going to be perfect while we're down here for a thousand years. You say, why is that? Well, because there's people who's going to be born, you know, during the seven-year tribulation that never went, you know, went to heaven. And now they're here on the earth and they're, they're in mortal bodies and you're, and you're not. So you, you're, you're going to be bumping against people all the time that was living and was born during the seven year, you know, seven year tribulation. And here you are going to be in a spirit, you know, a spirit body. It's like Joe Marsh was teaching that. He says, so he says, so kind of what you're doing is you're, this is the foretaste now of what will be then. Well, here you are, um, you're, you, you, you see Philip, being translated in the Bible. Uh, I've heard stories about missionaries in different places now. Uh, you I mean, I don't know them personally, but I've heard about people being translated from one city or going somewhere faster in a car. And they're like, how did I get here? That was seven hours and I got here in you know, less than you know, two hours. Well, it would be nothing during the millennium for like, like you know, we was with Joe and, and he said, uh, it'd be like nothing. Joe Morris was teaching on the end times. He said, it'd be nothing during the millennium this, one of these people who, you know, who's in a, an immortal body, here they are on the ladder, they shouldn't be up there, but they, they end up falling, come down, they're gonna you know, break their back, and here you are, and get there and just say, rise up and be healed in Jesus' name. And instantly, and you, you, you was perhaps in Alabama, and, you know, in a half a second, you're in Norfolk, Virginia. We'll try to be in Norfolk, Virginia now. See? But see, we, 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 won't, we won't have those kind of restraints. Hmm. Well, the Revelation talks about one thing. We don't understand all about it, but we know that the, we know the when Jesus is here, to, you know, during those thousand years, we know that, you know, he'll rule and reign from Jerusalem. We know we're going to attend an annual church service, but I don't know how you're going to get the planet all at one place. I mean, I've heard people preach that, but I'm thinking logistically, okay, uh, with God, all things are possible, but, uh, 
it's not that huge a place. So, I mean, how, how are we all going to get there? Where are we going to sit? Where are we going to stand? I mean, it's just going to be ongoing, you know, this uh, great sound system is going to go on going or can or can it be something that's uh, like here we are preaching now broadcasting out to anywhere in the United States in the world right now who's watching us I don't know but all things are possible with God why do we talk about any of these kind of things so that so so that we get out of what we, we get out of a out of a thinking by a, 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 the reason why we're talking about these things is to get out of a frame of thinking of just being normal because you're, you're not just normal and you're not just human. You are human, but you're not just human. You cannot tell me that you're born again and, and I'm, well, I'm just a human. No, you're not. You are a human, but don't tell me you're just human. If you're born again and your spirit is of God, you're not just human. So what I'm preaching is to the higher consciousness of you. I'm not talking to your arm or your leg or your ear. I'm hoping to go through your ear, but I'm not talking to your physical frame or your body. So we're, we're, we're talking and we want our mind to grasp all these things, but this is spirit food is what it's about. When you talk about, you know, as it is in heaven, so it should be on the earth. Well, why would I say that? Because Jesus said it. Is it possible? Well, in just one place that we read, it's possible in Ephesians chapter one. Paul said he prayed that they would have an understanding of these things. Why would he want them to have an understanding of it? So they could operate in it. So he would know it would belong to him. He said, I, I cease not to give thanks for you. I cease not to pray for you that, that your eyes would be enlightened to know what is not what is not what will be, but what is. Well, so what does it look like when we're operating in the spirit of wisdom and revelation? What does it look like when we're operating in, in as the glorious church? It looks heavenly. It looks heavenly, not spooky. It, looks, it just looks heavenly. Well, so um, when Jesus fed the multitudes, he did that by the glory of God. When he walked on the water, how did he do that? He did that by the glory of God. When he healed the sick and raised the dead, how did he do that? By the glory of God. When he raised Lazarus from the dead after four days, how did he do that? Well, what did he tell him? He says, if you believe me, you would see the what? The glory of God. So how, how, how did that happen? By the glory of God. The feed the 5,000, you know, the, the miracles, the signs, the wonders, by the glory of God. Jesus ministered to the multitudes and gave demonstration as a confirmation that God was with him. But today he's with us more accurately in us than, than with us so that we can live and function in him and his glory. Releasing the supply of heaven into the earth when it needs to be just as Jesus did. Then think about this verse that you know about. Philippians 4.19, that my God shall supply all my need according to what? His riches in what? In glory, in glory, in glory. God supply all my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I've already told you a while ago, but Ephesians 1.17 says God is the father of glory. John 1.4 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory, the glory of the only begotten from the father full of grace and truth. 
So you hear the word glory a whole lot. So the supernatural wisdom of God releases miracles also. In Ephesians 1, 19, Paul prayed uh, for the Ephesians that they would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. So this is a revelation. That's one of the keys we're talking about, the keys of the kingdom, that the spirit of wisdom would be in operation to release miraculous dunamis power. Hmm. Um, so there's at least three keys that we're talking about tonight. Revelation, you know, spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of him. These are all keys that we function with. Just like you have keys, you may have a key ring, you may have three keys or 50, but they all have different function, they all have a different purpose. They all, get, they all open or give access to something. We have the keys to access the realm of the spirit. It's available to us. It's available to us for others to bring supernatural supply and means into this natural world. It didn't happen just for Elijah or Elisha. It didn't happen just in the Old Testament. It didn't happen just in the New Testament. Well, well if this is not the New Testament, you say, well, no, well, the New Testament was, you know, 2000 years ago. OK, good. Well, then this is the new, new, new Testament. But it's still the gospel, right? Yes. Isn't that right? If we needed something in, for the 2,000 plus new covenant, then how come we didn't get different instructions? How come we have the same book? Because that, that works. That still works for those who work it. Amen. I remember the first time years ago that I laid my hands on someone who's blind, that's all. Freaked them out, but I was more freaked out than they was. <laughs> I mean, I was pretty young and I was having a big time. <laughs> First person I called, Pastor Bud, and I said, I said, you ain't going to believe this. He said, quit saying that. I said, what? Am I going to believe it? I said, oh, yeah. OK, well, yeah, I know you're going to believe this. I said, I laid hands on somebody who was totally blind. And then they saw. He said, well, that's good. He said, well, he said what took you so long? I said, oh, I was like, <laughs> he's like, I've been waiting for you to catch up. We had a lady. She's in heaven now, Miss Jewel. Uh, she came to church. That was an interesting one because I was studying the authority of God and I, and, uh, I, and I was just kind of getting into things of in Christ. And she's, um, she was almost completely blind. They, uh, she came up Sunday morning and the doctor told her on Friday that she had maybe a week. He said, I don't think you go past a week, Jill. He said, I don't think you have any sight left at all. You'd be completely blind. And of course, she was, you know, she was upset. She was, she was, she was desperate. I'll, I'll never forget, you know, I was, she came up and she was holding her glasses like this and, and she was, you know, she started crying. She said, in a week, she said, I'll, I'll be completely blind the rest of my life. And she said, and, and she said, I, can, I can't even really see now. She said, if it wasn't for these, wasn't for this, she said, I wouldn't be able, and she held them real close. She said, I wouldn't be able to see anything. As soon as she said that, I had a vision. And I had a vision of me jumping up and down on top of her glasses. And I'm like, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, get behind me, devil. I mean, sweet, sweet little lady, you know, just like, you know, without these. She was terrified. You can see why she would be. So I'm sitting there like, I, I'm seeing me doing this. I, I've got to make a decision. I can't just sit there all day long, you know, times tick, 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 tick. And I, I mean, uh, I, like to believe, I like to believe God I would do this now, but I just, I said, uh, I don't know how, how much time went by. It was like an eternity. And I said, uh, Jill, do you, uh, do you trust me? She said, 
Well, yeah. I said, I said, well, let me ask you something better. And I said, do you love me? She said, of course I do. You know I do. And I said, do you trust me? She said, yeah. I said, can I see your glasses? She says, yeah. And I said, so you're telling me you're basically, I mean, you're legally blind, of course. I know you can't drive and stuff like that. But you, 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 you'll have no vision. You'll be completely blind in one week. She said, I said, the only little bit of vision you can have. I said, can you see me now? She said, I can see you. I mean, she was just... Here she is, and here I am. She said, I can see a figure of a person, but I can't make anything out on you. I don't know what color your shirt is. Uh, if you had any fingers, I can't see. I probably could tell your hand go, but I couldn't. She said, so that's at the end, right? And I said, uh, so without these, you, you'd have n no vision at all. She said, yeah. So I put them on the floor, and, and then I jumped up and down on them. And everybody in church went, mm. <laughs> and, and, and on the inside, I was wanting to die myself. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I was like, oh, gosh. Well, <coughs> I've been in Smith Wigsworth books all week long, John G. Lake books, and, and you know, and, uh, <laughs> you know, we used to talk about before church, you know, Smith hitting someone in the stomach like that and, uh, and then being healed. Well, in, in the books, they tell the stories that wouldn't happen immediately. Uh, but I found out through the years that, you know, they put their best testimonies in the books. They don't put all of them in there. Well, this was not one that happened immediately. And I said, well, so I, I took my Bible after it happened. And she knew I was jumping up and down, but she didn't know what I was doing because she couldn't see me enough to know. That I she could hear them going. <gasps> and, they, and I said, Julie, I, I destroyed your glasses. She said, you what? I said, uh, I said, by his stripes, you're healed. She said, OK. <laughs> so I gave her the Bible and I said, in Jesus name, now read the Bible. And she said, oh, okay. And, and, and I looked at it, and, she, and I could tell she didn't know it was upside down. And I thought, oh, boy. Mm. Then I went into my Bible school brain, which was the worst thing I could have ever done. And I'm, now I'm trying to school her and me both into faith. You know, I'm trying to, like, roll this thing back. But I've, I've already done the jumping. I've already done the kangaroo hop on them. And they're not looking really good down there. <laughs> you know, they're uh, not much for repair. <laughs> and so... Uh, so I did it again. I laid hands on her again. I said, well, that's okay. Jesus laid hands on somebody twice, you know, and for sight. It wasn't, it wasn't real clear. I said, so if Jesus could do it, I could do it. And I, I did it again, laid hands on her. I said, read the Bible. And she's, I handed it to her the right way this time. And she said, she said, Pastor, I can't see nothing. She said, I can't see anything. So I tried it three times. And three times, nothing happened. And uh, this is when the church was in Clanton and we had Sunday night service and, and uh, she was going to go home with a friend and come back that night. And I said, everything's going to be just fine. I just reassured her like every good pastor should, should do that. When she left, I went, oh God. <laughs> you know, I, was, I, was about, I was a nervous wreck myself. I've never done like this in my life. You know, it wasn't, I didn't read any of the kind of stories in the books I had. And uh, so we came back that night, and she said, uh, I said, poor church started. I come out of my office. I, I didn't come out very, I, I waited until the last minute I could come out, and I walked over to her, and I said, I said, how you doing? She said, well, the only thing I can tell, she said, this morning when I got to church, she said, I felt a lot of pressure behind my eyes and a bad headache because that was, she said, that headache is just about gone. It's, it's subsided. It's just about gone. And I said, well, uh, 
they gathered up her glasses and she had them and they were just, oh, it was a wreck. And uh, the frames, of course, was busted. The, the lenses were okay, but the frames, was, and so she, and she was like this. And I said, well, can you see anything? She's a, and she went, she was holding like this. She said, no, I can't see nothing, Pastor. I said, well, I, I knew I could buy the glasses. That wasn't a big deal. But in the week, she wasn't going to need them anyway, right? But the problem was I created a situation in the church too now. Can you see what I'm talking about? So, uh, so I went ahead and ministered, and I laid hand on her two more times before we left that night. Well, they got her to her house, and the next morning, uh, I stayed at church that night because I, I, I didn't want to go home. I was having this, a sulky uh, pity party in, in my office. This is 26 years ago, 25 years ago, 24 or 5 years ago. Whatever it was. I was, I was 35, 36 years old. Had a lot of zeal. Knowledge was trying to catch up with me. Wisdom was trying to catch up with me. A lot of zeal, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd slap an alligator and then ask it its name, you know. It's like, it's like whatever. But I mean, I was, I, was ex I was excited. I was seeing some things, but this was a new one for me. And so uh, she, uh, I stayed there all that night and boy, Dale was talking to me all night long. I told myself, I said, I'm just gonna stay here and pray for a while. She said, won't you come on home and get some rest? I said, no, I just, I just, I just want to be by myself. And I, just, I, I basically just sat in my office and sulked for a while. And, I, and the devil started talking to me. He says, you know she's going to have a wreck. You, you know she's going to fall in her house and she's going to hurt herself. And, and uh, they're going to sue you, this church, and everything. Your, your ministry's over. You're, you're an idiot. And I said, yeah, I am. I'm an idiot. I mean, I, I felt like an idiot. I mean, I, I, you know, can you see what I'm talking about? I, I felt like an idiot. I mean, it's one just to pray we didn't get no results, but, you know, jump up and down on top of their glasses. I mean, you don't see that every day, do you? And I've never done it before since, but I had instructions to do it. I really believed I heard from God, or I really wouldn't have done that. I really did not want to do that. And so uh, she, uh, I stayed there that morning, and then uh, about 2 o'clock, I'm still there. I'm not even going home. 2 o'clock, I'm thinking any moment the phone's going to ring. And I was waiting for an attorney to call me, just any moment. And the phone rang, and I said, uh, and the church name at that time, I said, Livermore Bible Church. And, I, and she said, Pastor? And I said, Jew? She said, hey. She said, she said, I got a testimony. And it sounded like, you know, like she was excited. It was like she's, she knows for sure now she can sue me for everything. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I said, do oh, you do? She said, yeah. She says, uh, I woke up this morning. And she said, all the pressure was gone. And she said, you know, I got my glasses. She said, and I tried to put them on uh, on the way back to the house. And she said, uh, we, they found some tape. They taped them to my face. And I was like, oh, God, I just can't believe I did that. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it seemed like months went by, but it was just the next morning. And she said, I got to the house. And she said, they got me in the house. And then she said, I remember in the drawer, I got some old glasses in here. She was feeling around for me. And she found them and she put them on. And uh, she, that morning, she said, I can see. I can see. And uh, she said, I got ready. And then uh, she said, I was going to have someone take me to the, to the, uh, the doctor in Birmingham because I just saw him on Friday. We told her she only had a week left, you know. And she says, and so here we are. The week's done come and gone. And she said, now it's Monday, three days later. And she said, I, she said, I said, well, how'd you get there? Did your son take you? She said, no, I didn't tell him. 
I didn't tell him I was going to go back Monday. She says, I could see so good. She said, I drove myself. I says, you did what? I said, you drove downtown Birmingham? She said, well, sure. She said, I could see. She said, remember, you prayed for me, right? I said, yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> I guess I, whatever I did, I can't even remember anymore what I did. And I said, yes, man, that's what I did. You know, I'm, I'm in faith now. You know, I got to be in faith. And so she said, yeah, that's what happened. And uh, so she said, when the doctor got there, he said, Jill, he says, you look happy. She said, I am. He said, where's, uh, called her son. He says, where's, where's your son? He, he said, uh, I don't know. He's working. I guess he's, well, who brought you? She said, I drove. He says, oh, Jill. He says, he said, I like your sense of humor. Kind of like, you know, when you got a sense of humor on your way to blindness, you know, in a few, about three or four more days. She said, no, I drove myself. I did. He says, no, seriously, who, who drove? She said, she said, doctor, she said, I got a miracle. I can see. He said, come back in here in my office. Boy, he took x-rays after x-rays after x-rays after x-rays. And he says, Jill, what is it? And I don't know what all was wrong with her, but, but I, I do know that the retinas in her eyes, uh, the, uh, if, if they have layers, whatever, they were all deteriorated. And the nerves were destroyed and she was absolutely, the lights was going out. And she had brand new, he said, brand new retinas. And he said, the nerves is perfect and everything. He said, you've been my patient for years. He said, let me see them glasses. And he says, uh, he looked up in his records. He says, that's from seven years ago. She says, well, I didn't remember. She, I knew they were old. He said, your, your eyes are what they were seven years ago. Well, her eyes just got better and better the rest of her life. Amen. And I never got sued. That was good. Didn't have to go to prison or anything. She didn't get killed on the way home or kill no one. I thought that was good news, you know. Well, you know, sometimes when you walk into something like that, see, would you use natural wisdom and jump up and down someone's glasses? He was having a hard time getting me to act on it there and then. But what it was, you know, you could see the fear. She was like, without these, oh, without these, I'd have. And, and then uh, that's when I saw it. Well, I pray that never happens to me ever again, just like that. But natural wisdom wouldn't do that. But would, but how, would it be a difference than Jesus would spit, you know, into the clay and put spittle on their eyes? I mean, what's that a recipe for? A disaster now, a, a, a real lawsuit, right? You don't go to a doctor like we, we were talking about today. You don't go to a doctor now and he, he, he diagnoses you with some type of devil. He doesn't say, well, this is a, we ran the x-rays and we come back and did a CAT scan and all that and, and you have a spirit of infirmity. <laughs> you know, and so they, they send you down to your drugstore and says, you know, take three times a day for demonic spirit, spirit infirmity, spirit of whatever, spirit of whatever. I mean, it's not that, but, but you know, some sickness, not all, but some sickness, disease, half of Jesus, about half of who he prayed for, he attributed to demonic influence. But we would have no one in modern science who would, who would uh, call it that. So we know that's not true. So let's finish up this because our time's gone. Um, let me see where I can finish right here. Wisdom. Let's just talk about this for two minutes. When God spoke the word into being, wisdom was there with him, wasn't it? That, that, in other words, wisdom was the tool that God used to bring about the creative miracles ever recorded. Proverbs 3, 19, 20 says this, The Lord by wisdom has founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. And by the knowledge, the depths were broken up and the clouds dropped down in the dew. Wisdom was here before the earth was created. 
in Proverbs 8.30 says, There I was beside him as a master craftsman. I was daily his delight. The last verse tonight in Proverbs 8, verse 22, 23, 26, 27 says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning, the beginning of his way. This is wisdom talking. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way. Before his works of old, I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth, while as yet had the earth had not been made, or the fields, or the primal dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, listen to this. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. I was by his side. When he created the world and spoke it into existence, I was right by his side. Before there was the earth, before there was all the heavens, I was right here by his side. Of course, he would say, how do we pray? As it is in heaven, so it should be on the earth. So this is wisdom speaking. I was right by his side. And Jesus has given unto us the spirit of this wisdom, revelation, the knowledge of him, the eyes of our heart being enlightened that we might know. We might know who we are in him so they might live this life in him so that we might affect this world for him. Amen. Amen. Praise God. God's good all the time. All the time. 2023, looking forward to this year. So, boys, 22, but I don't know what it is. Um, just feel like we're starting off at a different place. I'm not looking for, not looking at things from, you know, the, the outside to say, well, this plus this, and I can see this, that ass, that, whatever. But it just, it just feels like we, to me, it feels like we progressed spiritually, um, like we got to almost skip time. You ever felt like sometimes you've been behind time, like you've lost time? Like just like this has happened, this has happened. And I've had so many setbacks. I feel like I'm so far back. That, that, that's happened to all of us. But the Lord can catch you up fast. And not only catch you up, but not only bring you up to speed, but, you know, he can, he can, he can hurl you forward and to, and, and to a place to where you're, you're operating in, in a whole different level. And when you do that, you're doing it by the spirit of, of wisdom and revelation. Because you see things completely differently. What, what looked like that was impossible looked like that you've never functioned, couldn't happen. All of a sudden, it just comes like, ah, that's no big deal. We'll just, we'll, we'll just do this. And that's, and that's how it's going to work. That's how it's going to work. Ah, we pay $100,000 mortgage off. Guy just comes in and says, Lord sent me here. How much it cost? Well, $800,000. Let's get it done. I said, did he do it that year? I asked him, I said, well, did the man, I mean, because I've, I've heard a lot of people tell me what they were going to do. I said, did he actually do it? He said, he, he did it the next morning. The next morning, he had a cashier's check and paid the whole thing off the next morning. They gave the pastor title of the church. That's a game changer. That's a game changer. Amen. Well, tonight, if you're sowing tonight, we'll be sowers and reapers.